Hello everyone and welcome to Inside the Arena podcast brought to you by Piers Arena. On Inside the Arena podcast, we talk about mental health, well-being and every other issues and challenges we all face in our day-to-day lives. And on each episode, we'll be having a guest on to talk about their own experience with these issues and most importantly, how they are able to navigate and overcome life struggles and challenges. I am your host, Tony, and thank you very much for listening. So, thank you very much for taking the time to have this conversation with me. Um, I would like to kick off the conversation by having you introduce yourself and tell us what you do. Okay. Hi, everybody. My name is Bumi Odua, and I'm a relationship expert. I'm an author, I'm a teacher, and I'm a speaker. And I particularly focus on helping high-achieving women who want to get married, to wait gracefully, and to enjoy being single. I'm very particular about the word wait gracefully just because the period between when you desire to get married and when you actually get married is what I tend to call a waiting season. So you're waiting for something. And a lot of times what tends to happen with that period in time is that we're so focused on the thing that we want that we don't necessarily go through that period the way that we should in terms of embracing every part of it, not walking around feeling despondent and feeling sad and all of that. So, and because I, um, I spent quite a number of years waiting to get married. I spent about 10 years waiting to get married. Like the desire kicked in when I was 22 and I didn't get married till I was 33. So I had this whole 10 year, almost 11 year period where I was going, I want to get married. I want to get married. I want to get married. But I wasn't necessarily enjoying the period that I was in. I was literally just focused on getting out of it that I didn't really embrace being myself, enjoying my life, doing the things that I needed to do until a good chunk of that period of time had passed. So that's where my heart has come from and has more or less moved me into the work that I do in terms of I left a job as an environmental regulator. I did that for over a decade and then moved into now teaching women, helping women, supporting women on their journey to getting married. And that's what I really do day in, day out, more or less. Um, That's me in a nutshell. I'm not sure if there's anything else you want to know. Yeah, I guess I guess we'll find out through the course of the conversation. Yeah, thank you very much for what you do. I think it's much needed. Um, given the fact that it comes from a personal experience and personal struggle that you had to deal with, I think that gives more, um, um, it helps in making people understand where you're coming from. And it's the fact that it's very relatable to people you're, you're helping out. That's something they can actually um, benefit from. So um, the one thing, um, the one question I really had when I came across your profile and I was really interested in talking to you was, um, you said you help high achieving women. Um, yes. Was that was that like a deliberate thing you had to put in there? It was. It actually was just because we were, we are meant to be high achievers in life in general. But sometimes we don't know that. So, you know, when you put something out there, you're almost calling people's attention to themselves to then ask the question. So the question a woman would then say is, oh, she helps high achieving women. 
who is a high achieving woman? And you know, exactly. then that conversation, but it stirs curiosity. And I wanted to stir curiosity, but I also wanted to stir self-awareness because a lot of times, because life has happened to a lot of us, and sometimes we're going through challenges, we don't actually realize that we are high achievers, that we're striving for more. But I'm calling to that woman, the woman that I was in the season that I went through and saying to her, you can have the desire to have more in your career. You can have the desire to grow a multi-million dollar business, but at the same time, still desire to get married and the two aren't mutually exclusive. So please, can we own the fact that we are high achievers? Can we own the fact that we're God's children who have been empowered to do life and do it excellently well? And at the same time, we're also God's daughters who want to find the, who are in that place where we want to meet the man that God has set apart for us um that's the word some people use i use there's a type of person but we can come to that later but you know we can also be women who desire to get married and who desire to spend our lives with someone who's also going after his goals who is going after his achievements who is also looking out to be the best version of his of himself that he can be so that's specifically why i put that there i wanted it to spark curiosity but i also wanted it to begin to help women to increase their self-awareness of themselves yeah, I love that. I really, really love that. But um, when I saw that, I actually thought about it from this perspective you just laid out right now. But then again, I thought about it from the perspective of like, um, is this in any way going to alienate some people? Like people who um, don't have set confidence in themselves or don't believe they are high achievers, right? Is this going to be something like someone would read and just be like, oh, okay, no, that's not a place for me. Did, did you ever think about that at all? I did. I actually did think about that. And for a long time, I struggled with even putting it out there because I didn't, I wanted to help everybody. But the thing is that when you're trying to help everybody, you will help nobody. Interesting. So I was, the way I looked at it was, let me call to her, let her, if, if all it does, even if it doesn't, even if she feels like she's been alienated, I hope it sparks something in her where she says, but there's something about her that makes me see myself. So maybe I should go and try and do something about this high achieving thing, whether it is to even just ask the question of, me. I see that you put high achievers, but I don't feel like a high achiever. And then I then begin to answer that question and begin to even help them see that. But you have worth. Do you are you looking for a job or are you even giving your best at your job? Then you are a high achiever. You know, the way that people see it is that, oh, to be a high achiever means that I'm completely left out because I have not attained this. But to be a high achiever is to strive for something whether that is to strive for a promotion at work or it is even to strive to find a job or it is to strive to go and study to do that next degree or to even finish your first degree. The most important thing is the word to achieve something. And when we say you're a high, when I'm saying you're a high achiever, I'm not saying it to alienate you, but to call to you, to say to you, there's more for you. Come along, let's go. Yeah, I love that. I really, really love that. And I'm glad I really asked that question because I wanted to just, I, I knew something was going to come out of that from your response that was really going to clarify um, that particular um, um, word you chose to use, like the, the high achiever, the high achieving women. Because that, when, when I saw it, it was interesting to me. I was like, oh, okay. 
okay what do we <laughs> what do we really got here right is this something yeah. is this something i can recommend a friend to is this something i'm gonna like i can recommend my sisters to and how would people actually feel about that and uh, so i guess my next question is um what is actually the waiting gracefully program because um, and I'll tell you why I asked this question in this sense. Yeah. Um, so yesterday I was having a conversation with a with a lady, right? She's also cool. single. She's also she also has that urge to get married, and she feels like she's ripe and ready and all of that. So like, um, when I showed her your profile, I was like, "Hey, I'm going to be having this wonderful woman come on to 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 be a guest on my podcast and stuff. Do you really have any question or anything?" She was like what why would i have to wait what do you like i want to get married now like <laughs> like what do you mean by waiting gracefully like i don't understand that like nah, nah nah i don't really resonate with this i'm like okay okay calm down calm down like um I, i'm not sure I, I was like i don't think she's actually saying you should wait like mm -hmm. but like <laughs> Because that really sparked something in her. I, I was actually, <laughs> I was, I was very curious to actually hear her response because she's a very outspoken person. Like she, yes. she knows how to like express herself and mm. like you can see her thinking when she's talking. Right. So I actually think the first thing I was going to like catch her attention was is like the high achieving women. But when, when that didn't spark it, I was like, okay, okay, I think we're good here. But when she got to the wait, no, she's like, wait, no, 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 no. Like, <laughs> Tony, Tony, <laughs> like, Tony, I'm not waiting for anything. And I'm like, okay, don't worry. I'll get to ask her that question and maybe she can help us clarify what she really means. And yeah, you did that also. But what exactly is the Waiting Gracefully program which you actually run? Okay, so the Waiting Gracefully program is a 90-day program for the woman who wants to get married. So the, and I, like I said, the high achieving woman who wants to get married, but who also wants to enjoy where she is right now. And that there's the reason why the two are together. The reason why the two are together is that sometimes when we want something, we lose sight of our present moment. So we're so focused on the thing that we want that we don't actually as the some of the white people would say, stop to smell the roses. We don't stop to enjoy the life that we have in the moment. And then what tends to happen is you then get married and you look back and you're like, oh, I wish I had done X or I wish I had done Y. So the Waiting Gracefully program is really broken down into four parts and it's four modules spread across 90 days or 12 weeks. And one of the first things that I do with you in the Waiting Gracefully program is to help you to have the right perspective about the season that you're in, the journey that you're on, and the place that you're going to. And what that is doing is removing any blockers that can stand in the way of you getting married. One of the blockers that stands in the way of us getting married is following society's script for our lives. So society says to you that you should be a baby, then you should be a child, and in, as a child you will go to primary school, you will go to secondary school, you will go to university, and then the next step for you is to either get a job or get married, depending on the family background that you have. Some families will permit you to get a job first before you get married. Some families will tell you that it is time for you to get married, that what are you still doing in their house? Now, if you are following that particular path, but your life is not meant to follow that particular trajectory, what will happen is that you'll be going against the tide of your own life. 
what I'm doing with you in that first part of waiting gracefully is to help to align you with the trajectory you're supposed to be following, where you're saying to yourself, okay, maybe I am meant to still be single at 28 because I need to have achieved, um, I don't know, I need to have finished my MBA or become a doctor in philosophy by this age, and then I can get married. And the reason why it's important to follow your own path rather than just the path that society is writing for you is because you will feel like you are flowing with a tide rather than you are going against the current. Society does not look at you from the perspective of you're a unique person, you have a unique calling upon your life, God wants you to do this, or the purpose that has been attached to your life is like this. Society just says, these are the steps and the hoops that you should be jumping through. And there's nothing wrong with growth and maturity, but you must always pick, you must always pick the thing that matters most for you, not for what society says. So that's one part of the Waiting Gracefully program. The second part is really about self-awareness and confidence. And what I also call conviction, which comes from the Bible, which is to be convinced beyond a shadow of doubt about something. So one of the things that happens to you in the second part of the Waiting Gracefully program is that you build your self-awareness of who you are, what you've been called to do, and where you are going in life. Because if you don't know these things, you will settle for just anybody. If you don't know why you've been called, if you don't know what you've been called to do and if you don't have a vision for your life you will settle for someone that potentially looks great on paper but then when you're married to them you find that they are out of alignment with who you are and where you are going in life one of the examples i always give single women and it really helps it i really use it to crystallize in their minds and to help them see what i'm talking about when i say this is when i say to them that hey for example if you know not all of us do but sometimes you know early on that you are called to change economies, but you're called to change economies um, globally. So maybe you're supposed to be working in somewhere like the World Bank. You know that about yourself. You know that that's the trajectory that your life is following. Then you go and look for a guy and then you meet a guy and the guy says he wants a housewife. Where he is going and what he wants and where you are going and what you want are not the same. So if you come together because you don't want to meet, but because what you want out of life are very different. But if you don't even know what you want out of life, and if you don't know who you are and the way that you've been wired and the kind of personality that you have and all those things, you will end up being with people that you were not meant to be with. And the sad reality is that there are a lot of people who are married to people right now that they should not be married to. And they are struggling. Can God redeem that situation? Absolutely. But should he have to if you had done it right from the beginning? No, he shouldn't have to. And so that's the second part in the Waiting Gracefully program. The third part in the Waiting Gracefully program is preparing you in five key areas. And those areas are preparing you mentally, preparing you emotionally, preparing you physically, preparing you financially, and preparing you socially. Because these are the parts of you that make you the person that you are actually make your marriage function the way that it should function. And then the last part of the Waiting Gracefully program, remember I said it's four parts. So the first part is about perspective. The second part is about your identity, your awareness. And then the third part is about preparing you. 
And then the fourth part is really about now the marriage itself, the partnership, the dating experience, and all of that stuff where I'm literally giving you the tools that help you to do it properly, that help you to be able to, you know, people come to me and they say to me, oh, how do I know if he's the one for me? I say, well, if he matches the 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 list of qualities that you want in a husband and then they look at me blankly and I'm like why are you looking at me blankly they're like I didn't know I should have a list of qualities I said well that's one of the ways you recognize your future spouse and it and it happens and it applies both ways even for the man he's very clear on the qualities that he wants in a wife and he looks and he says this woman has all the qualities that I'm looking for the same woman does this man has all the qualities that I'm looking for but you have to be able to sit down and there is a process to knowing what those qualities look like for you not just what those qualities look like in general but what they look like specifically for you so if I give myself as an example when I was writing out the qualities I wanted in a husband I, I did it help with the help of the Holy Spirit I'm a Christian by the way for those who might not know I'm a Christian and I'm very like focused on having the Holy Spirit lead me in everything. And I specifically said to him, you know, help me to write out what you want in a spouse. I remember that I had written this and I hadn't met my husband at the time. And then I wrote it in like maybe 2013. I met my husband in 2015. And when I met him and the Holy Spirit then said to me, this is the person that you're supposed to be with. I literally looked at the list and it was like, as though I had seen my husband, met him as a person and then wrote out his qualities as a, an individual. So there is a process to it. There's a, there's a way to write out policies. So that's what the Waiting Gracefully program does. And the reason why it's called Waiting Gracefully is because between a desire and the manifestation of the desire is a period. That is what we call the waiting period. So to your friend that is saying, oh no, I don't want to wait. I want to get married right now. Even if she met the guy today, she couldn't marry him tomorrow. There would still be a period between even meeting him and marrying him. And what the Waiting Gracefully program does and helps you to do is to ensure that that process and that period goes smoothly and according to your desire and your plans. I hope that helps to give some clarity about the program. Yeah, that helps a lot, a whole lot. Thank you very much for stating those very, very clearly. Um, just to recap, um, the, the number one is actually understanding what societal pressure is. Yes. And um, not allowing that rule your life as an individual. I think that's very, very important. And the second one, which is like know thyself, that's like understanding who you are helps you determine what you want out of life and it's going to help your perspective. I, I mm -hmm. can't, I really can't disagree with that. Know thyself to me is something that's very, very, very important to me and something that has really changed my life in all areas. And the mental and emotional preparation, yeah, that's also very, very important, man. Um, I respect people sometimes who say um, they're not in the right states to be in a relationship or they have a few things that are trying to work on themselves. Sometimes it sounds very alien to people, especially in this part of the world. Yes, well, I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, but but that's that's actually a reality. Um, people, when you start go on the journey of starting to know yourself, right, and understanding who you are and your tendencies, your weaknesses, your strengths, you'd understand that. Oh, maybe I need to like fix a, fix a couple of things about myself to um, before I can actually bring somebody in, so I don't actually ruin a good thing or something. Exactly, and that's really important because many times we um, we actually go into relationships but don't fully appreciate that the things that we have left untreated can potentially harm what could even be a great relationship you know if for example you 
have issues from your childhood with men, maybe from the picture your father gave you, or even the picture your mother gave you if you're a guy, you know, whatever it is, if you think about some of the, the impacts and the experiences we had as children, if we don't treat those ones that have not served us well, we then go into relationships. Guess what we're going to do? We're going to sabotage those relationships, not intentionally, but because the things that we have left untreated always come back to bite us and can potentially ruin a great relationship. So it's really important. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Addressing whatever trauma you have going on in your life or whatever whatever anxiety or anything is actually very, very important. And yeah, um the the I want to agree with um um the, the last part where you said the marriage itself. And I was I would also like you to really elaborate on that because um, like you rightly pointed out earlier on, um, maybe some of the pictures you've been shown by your father or by your mother or what society has actually shown you that, oh, this is what marriage is and this is what um, the process of getting married is supposed to look like. I don't think young women have the privilege of having that conversation these days to be like, okay, um let's talk about marriage itself yeah. i think like yeah. I, like I've, I've never seen a place whereby okay this is actually being discussed and is also being put into perspectives of people's personal life because there can't be a generic answer for everything when we're talking about no, no, they um, issues like this and this is one of the reasons why i really like and enjoy talking to experts because um they basically um, are very very careful to give generic answers and they look at <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and and they look at a particular situation for what it is, and sometimes they would even need more context in order to answer a particular question. And I really, really yes. admire that a lot. Um, but talking about marriage itself, right? Mm -hmm. Um, what do you actually think is not being talked about, or what do you think young women really need to know about marriage before they get into it? Because some people have fantasies, some people, <laughs> yeah. And some people yes, yes. are actually very, very scared, right? Mm, and they're mm. anxious about it. So I think I, I think that there has to be some kind of a middle ground to actually awaken you to reality itself and at the same time ground you enough not to, to like be mentally and emotionally prepared for that journey you're about to embark on. Because the idea, especially my generation, I'm a millennial, the idea mm. that, um, oh, I'm going to get to spend the rest of my life with just one person, <laughs> or, or or like things like that or how do i know i'm even making the right choice like how do i yeah. know this person is not gonna change okay i spoke mm. to i spoke to um 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 mrs mudupe a hearing yes she's a marriage counselor and oh. she was like um sometimes when you read one bad marriage story you have to go ahead and read 10 good ones in order to take away that bad encounter yes. from your head yes, and, yes. And, and she was right on the money on that one so um before i deviate too much and go away from the actual question is like um what do you actually think is not being really discussed with young ladies about marriage and what do you think they should really know okay so let's start with what isn't being said I think what isn't being said is there are many things, but let's let's drill down to maybe a few. First of all, what isn't being said is that marriage is a covenant and not a contract. Hmm. That's the first first part I would I would start with, hmm. in that a covenant is something that isn't meant to be broken. And when you break a covenant, the the implications are very painful. 
So when people hear people's stories of divorce and separation and all of that, they um they they hear it and they don't really hear it. So, you know, there's almost this rose-tinted glasses that we put on. And if you are in, maybe sometimes even in the Christian community, people will say, oh, that's not my portion. But saying that is not my portion is not the answer in that that is not my portion does not then stop you from making a mistake. You have to equip yourself with knowledge. You have to renew your mind. You have to up, almost like elevate your thinking for it not to be your portion. And you have to even choose to do different, to act different, to say different about yourself consistently for it not to be your portion. So the first thing I would say is that marriage is a covenant, it's not a contract. And that if you go into it with the perspective of it is a contract, you will always have a back door when it comes to the marriage. So when I was going to get married, one of the things I had settled in my heart long before I met my husband was that my marriage was going to work or it was going to work. I didn't have any other options. I had removed options from my, from my table. So why do we do that? Because when you remove the option of getting out, your mind will find ways to make it work. Your mind only does what you feed it. So I chose to feed it with positivity. I chose to feed it with the word of God. I chose to tell it that, look, this thing, when we go into it, we're going to go into it with the mindset that it has to work and that we're going to give it our best shot with the, with the Holy Spirit and the Lord being our helper. That's one of the things that isn't being said because if you don't tell people that this thing is a covenant and, you know, the thing that helped me to understand covenant that really helped me to make sure that if I'm going to put myself in this situation, it has to be with the right person was someone explaining once about how the Jews used to um, make cut covenants and they would, I'll use one of the examples. They have many, but I'll use one example. The example was that of the salt covenant where two people who wanted to set up a covenant would come and they would bring salt two bowls of salt. And then there'd be an empty, almost like an empty bowl pour your bit of salt into it. I pour my bit of salt into it. We mix it together. And then we say to ourselves that the day we can pick out our grains of salt from this bowl is when the covenant ends. Meaning that obviously salt and salt, unless you even color it different, you're not going to be able to tell which one is which. So everything is mixed together in such a way that there is no separation. That's what a covenant is. A contract on the other hand is, I bring my part, you bring your part. If you do your part well, I'll stay. If you don't do your part well, I will move on. You know, think about the contracts that we have for jobs. If you think about the contracts that we have for providing services to people, everybody does their part. And if there's a default on the part of one person, then we will almost end the contract. So if you think of marriage from that perspective alone, in terms of, oh, it is a contract and not a covenant. What tends to happen is that if the person does something that you don't like, then you are quick to say, you know what, you haven't done your part, I'm going to walk away. But marriage was never meant to be like that. The joining together that a husband and wife do when they come together in marriage is such that it's not meant to be separated. It's why when you talk to people who are divorced, there is a lot of pain, even if they're not telling you about it outside. If you have closed doors conversation with them, they tell you that it is, there is a lot of pain. There is a lot of regret. 
It is like putting together a piece of two pieces of paper with super glue and then trying to separate that piece of paper. They leave behind parts of themselves on that other person. And it takes an intentional and renewing process to be able to overcome that. So the first thing is marriage is a covenant, it's not a contract. We need to help people have that conversation. The second thing that we don't talk about, and I think that we should be talking about more, is that you cannot change anybody. So if you don't like what you see at the beginning, walk away. When we say it, when I say it to single women, it's almost like, well, you're married. So you're saying that it's easy to say that from your husband's house. And I'm saying it because I am married, because I know what comes with marriage, because I know the experiences I've had in marriage, because of the experiences I've had through clients that I've worked with. I know if someone already showed you red flags at the beginning, you should pay attention. But there is almost this way that we color marriage and color relationships in such a way that people walk into it with a mindset of, oh, well, I'll make it work. I'll help him. He'll change. But here's the truth. Nobody can change unless they want to change. So if he's not ready to change, if she's not ready to change before they've even married you, which is the time when they should even be on their best behavior and be giving you the best of themselves, what is their incentive to change after you get married? And then, you know, one of the things that I don't think we talk about is, as well, is talking about marriage in its in the moment. So talking to people about what actually happens in marriage. So we talk to them about the surface, but we don't talk from experiences. And, you know, the reason why we don't do that is that nobody wants to look bad. No one wants to look like their marriage isn't working or they have a challenge in marriage. But the truth is that we're two different individuals who grew up in two different households from two different backgrounds with two different experiences beliefs all of that you're now coming together there are going to be challenges but it is the way that you approach the challenges where you approach it from the mindset of we are a team and whatever we're doing we're doing for the benefit of this team and this unit it is when you approach it with that mindset that things get better but it does not your you coming together and having issues in marriage, especially in those first few years, does not make you make you a bad person, nor does it mean you have a bad marriage. It just means you're experiencing the living and cleaving process that people are supposed to be experiencing when they get married. Those are the kind of things that I don't think are being said. I remember someone said to me, she used the phrase, there are so many things that are left unsaid. There are so many things people are not telling you. People aren't telling women about the challenges that the pressures in marriage that come with infertility. They're not telling men the conversations they should be having if they find out that they have infertility challenges. And these aren't things that can be addressed all in one conversation, but I believe that these are conversations that must be ongoing. They must be consistent. We must be consistent in having these conversations. We must be consistent in telling people the truth about marriage. We must be consistent in helping people to say you, there is a place for resilience, especially when you have married the right person. There is a place for how you must have staying power, how you must build staying power, that not everything must be walked away from. You know, I'm a millennial myself, and they say a lot about my generation and the generations after that we have no staying power. And it's a sad way to describe it, an entire generation. But it is the reality that those that have gone ahead of us have seen where they're looking and they're saying, these people don't want anything. They're very quick to just pack their bags and move on. 
And the truth is, if you pack your bag and move on, but you don't address the thing that caused you to pack your bag and move on, you will go into the next relationship or the next marriage and you will have similar issues, if not the same issue. And then you pack your bag and move on again and you say, maybe marriage is not for me. The truth is that marriage was probably for you, but you didn't handle it properly. But that's a conversation that we really should be having before people get into marriage so that there are less opportunities for these things to be happening. So that is what isn't being said. I'm not sure if you want me to, you know, go further. Nah, nah, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there slow. <laughs> we'll, we'll definitely get there slow and steady. But I just, I just wanted to piggyback on some of the things you just said. Um, <clears throat> first things first, I agree with the phenomena that you can't actually change anyone. And people do decide to change. And that's when they start... Um, to change actually I don't really believe anyone can change anybody um, and the idea sometimes when people see certain red flags that they know it's going to end up being a serious problem and they feel like oh okay I'm going to change this person right mm. thinking like maybe um, okay there's there's a great quote that's actually like um, you can't go through life doing the same thing as everybody else and expecting a different result. Yeah, like yeah. it is straightforward, irrational, and even mm -hmm. at its worst, it's, it's arrogant because you're really trying to say I'm special, mm -hmm. and everyone else is not, and I would actually succeed where everyone else has failed. It's okay to have that mentality, but it's also good to approach situations from a logical point of view, mm -hmm. and. Adding logic to your self-belief is actually very, very important and not just being logical all the time or having the self-belief. So like actually finding that balance. So, and I do agree with that. But one of the things I also, um, I like to play devil's advocate on this mm -hmm. show a lot mm -hmm. because um, it's one of the things that has actually been taught to us mm. in our generation that you don't have to question things or you don't have to look <laughs> at things from different perspective. And I don't really buy into that thinking. Even if... I'm actually convinced that something is, is true, right? I also, mm. I, I really want to poke at it. One, to increase my self-belief in that thing so that mm. I can actually ride with that thing in long term. And also to, to um, if there's something wrong with it, so we can actually fix it. Yeah. Because yeah. nothing is actually perfect. So, um, so my question that I was really trying to get to is like, you said something that was very profound to me, and this is the first time I've ever heard it, which is mm -hmm. marriage is a covenant and not a contract. It's not like this, this thing is like, it has always been in my subconscious, like, and everything. I understand the fact that you take a vowel and everything, but the way you mm -hmm. actually articulated it actually stuck with me. You ring the bell in my head. So mm -hmm. if we would have to accept the fact that we can't change people, we also have mm. to accept the fact that people change over time fundamentally. Yes. That's, that's human nature. So if I do go into a covenant with somebody, right, for people who are, who are divorced, let's make the case for them because um, mm -hmm. some mm -hmm. people get out of situations that would actually kill them or would have cost yes. them their lives or something. Yes. But I was making them a very horrible person. So if I do go into a covenant with somebody that was right for me at that particular time, and mm -hmm. over time, that situation is not something that is tenable anymore. So should I, shouldn't I be looking for a way to get out of that covenant? Hmm. Um. The way I look at it is to always take time to, when, when something isn't working, I, I'm of the opinion that you need to pause, you need to reflect, and then you need to think of what's the way forward. 
And sometimes it's not necessarily to get out. It could be to separate um, for a period so that that way we can even get to see what needs to be done next, especially if, for example, let's say the person was great. He was amazing. He had all the right qualities that you were looking for um, when you were looking to get married. But then over time, you found out that he progressively became abusive. He progressively became um, he progressively became insultive. Because insulting. some, because some yes. people are actually narcissists. True, they are. Exactly. But then I'm going to bring something, I'm going to bring an angle from the, the perspective of a Christian in that um, in the process of reviewing, reflecting, pausing, and giving yourself time to think, you might find that there were little things, very, very little, that you thought nothing of, but actually were there. And you didn't think to address them in the moment. You just thought, oh no, he's perfect. He has everything that I'm looking for. And so, you know, you moved on with it. But one of the things I have learned is that to do marriage and to do it properly, you have to do it with someone who sees further than you do. And that person is the Holy Spirit who sees the beginning from the end, the end from the beginning. And so, Marriage is a journey of faith as well as is a journey of practicality in terms of there is a part of faith where, like you said, the person is growing, I'm growing, we're changing and we're changing. And we can't see seven years down the line. We can only see what's in front of us. And based on what the person has presented to us, everything looks a-okay. Like if I compare him with the qualities that I want in a life partner, if I compare her with the qualities that I want in a life partner, it just looks like there's nothing here that could hold me back. I want to go ahead. What do you think? Um, and then he says to you, go ahead and you move on and everything goes well. But then he says to you, mm, not so sure. But you say to yourself, but everything is fine. Why shouldn't I? And I've heard, I've had conversations where women have broken up an engagement like and when I say engagement, I don't just mean that he had asked her to marry him, but they had actually set a date, done everything. And then something within them said, and I, I always say that that something is obviously the spirit of God within each man, even if we acknowledge him or we don't acknowledge him. Something within has said, I don't think this is the right relationship. She broke up the engagement and I think it was a year later, the guy was dead. And the Holy Spirit said to her, that's what I was protecting you from. And, you know, to each man his own, to each person their own journey. We're all on each, we all have unique journeys. There's a script that has been written for us, for our lives. And I'm not just talking of society's script, I mean God's script. He has a script for each of our lives. And sometimes when he sees us going down a path, he will sometimes pull us up and say, you know what, come back. Don't go down that path, even though it looks every it, everything looks great in reality. Now, if, for example, you don't have God and you don't have that, you don't have the Holy Spirit to give you some of those checks and balances, and you then get yourself to the point where you're thinking, um, this person has changed, I have changed, um, I need to move on. The question I tend to ask people when they're in this situation, if we're even not going to say, okay, some people don't have God, they don't have a relationship with God. But what I say to people is think about your relationship with your family members. Are your family members constantly growing and evolving? And are they doing things that you wouldn't accept or you don't like? The answer is yes. But do you then stop being their family member? 
The answer is no. The question is, we must know, our, and this goes back to the self-awareness things, we must know our own tolerance levels of certain things and certain behaviors and changed into, especially if it's not something negative. It's just that maybe, for example, the guy might be like, oh, she's now praying a lot more. She didn't used to pray like this when we were married, like when we were dating. Now she's constantly in church and all of that kind of stuff. But the thing I always look at it from the perspective of, well, is this a bad thing? Because you must even articulate the thing that you say is wrong with the person. And then obviously, if you are not sure how to handle it, bring wise people with good counsel who have who have a track record of great relationships and constantly giving great counsel and run things past them. It is not always to get out of it that is the answer. Remember I said earlier that even if you try to get out of it, but you don't treat the thing that was causing the problem, you're only creating an avenue for more pain in the future. Okay, so maybe I'm married now, but he has changed and I don't like that change. The question I would say to you is, is it a change that can be managed or is it a change that is destructive? Because if it is a change that is destructive, then yes, maybe you should be considering separating from it for a period of time so that you can allow to almost even have time to think and hear yourself clearly without being in the situation. But then if you have had time to do that, I can't prescribe because obviously I can't I can't, I'm not in a particular situation with a person right now, but I'm saying that it is at that point that you then make the decision that works best for you. But you must give yourself time to not just make decisions based on your feelings and your emotions, but also based on reality and based on the fruit of what the person is presenting to you. It's not always to quickly walk away. Like leaving that situation is not the only way forward. I hope that helps and answers that question. Yeah, I'm sure that would help a lot because um, acknowledging the fact that some relationships might get to the level of actually being very destructive and people should then think of getting separated is actually um, something we must acknowledge because um, from the Christian perspective, right, um, we look at the world like um, if the world was right, then mm. everything, um, every Christian value would be will be upheld, right? Yeah, yeah. But the world is not right, and at mm -hmm. some points we just have to admit that to ourselves. Yeah. So that's why I actually like to find that that balance, right? Because um, people easily um listen to conversations or read things right or get information mm. and sometimes they just run with it so mm -hmm. it is very very important to me personally that if we're having a conversation about certain things we should be able to put everything on the table right and still address the things that may be worrying about certain issues even yeah. if even if at the end of the day, we want to actually change the perspective and the perception of people, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, so that's 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 what I was really trying to get at by asking that question. Okay. And another thing um, you've said through the course of this conversation is talking about the list. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, because because um, it, go, it still goes, it still goes back to the same thing I was trying to talk about, like, because 
people sometimes have unrealistic expectations, right? <laughs> when, yep. it, when it comes to putting together a list of their f- intending or future partners. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was this, there was this also, perf- I don't know why I'm just spilling out quotes today, but there's this, <laughs> there's this quote I actually hear, like perfection is the enemy of the good. Um, and yes. don't, don't let perfection becomes the enemy of the good. So mm-hmm. how would you, advise people or recommend to people to actually curate a list that is realistic and grounded in reality but at the same time sets them up for something that's right for them Mm. okay so when you're when i when i'm looking to write a list whether i'm doing it myself or helping a client um i always think of it from the perspective of what do you want because what you want will determine what you put down So if, for example, you want a life that is spiritual, then you might want to be writing down on your list that this is what I would like spiritually. But then I also put a word of caution when I tell people to write this list. I always say that you should write a list based on if someone wrote that list about you, if they wrote the same thing about you, you would be happy about it. And it's really important that you have a healthy perspective of not writing something that is like building castles in the air. So you can write the things. I always almost if you could if you could um, divide the list into things that are fundamentally important, the things that the things that you can mildly tolerate and then the things that you are an absolute no. Those are the kind of things that I would definitely put on my list. So for me, for well, is a Christian and embodies Christian values. I want him to be a man of good character. I want him to be a man that is responsible. I, you know, and you start to write these things, and you must write them in the order of importance, because by the time you you find that once you've written it by in the order of importance, you probably get to the end and you realize that some of the things that you thought were important actually aren't that important anymore. So to write that list, I would definitely say write it in the order of importance, but also write it with the base, with almost like some basics. Who do you want him to be spiritually? Who do you want him to be emotionally? Who do you want him to be even financially? Do you want him to be able to afford to take care of both of you and even a child if a child came along? Do you want her to be able to, you know, contribute to the home? Or do you want a woman that doesn't want anything from you financially to each man his own, but at least be clear about what you want? I always say to my clients, then it cannot be the thing that holds you back where you say, oh, well, he is not a multimillionaire, so I'm not marrying him. Um, You don't know that he's not going to be a multimillionaire in five years time. And you also don't know that the guy who is a multimillionaire right now could be bankrupt in a year. COVID showed us that, that everything can change overnight. So you can't hold on to some of the physical things in such a tight way that you don't even see the ones that are fundamental. And the fundamentals are who do you want him to be spiritually? Who do you want him to be character-wise? Who do you want him to be emotionally? Who do you want him to be mentally? Do you want someone that you're going to have conversations with regularly? And those conversations actually stir you to more. Or are they conversations that dull you? That You know, I remember that there were some guys that would call me when I was single. There would be some guys that would call me. And the conversation would be over in like a short period. Why? Because there was nothing to have a meaningful conversation. And I thought this can't be the person I get married to. This can't be the person I date. And, you know, 
you must be clear about some of those things and you must also be clear that you want someone that can even put up with your own quirks and nuances because we all have our quirks and nuances everybody does that's what makes us unique that's what makes us special and that's what makes us the people that we are so i hope that helps someone that potentially is listening to this and saying oh well i'd like to write out my own list this sounds like a good starting point <laughs> i really hope that helps out because <laughs> Oh my God, with the influence of social media and the influence of the, of the internet and uh, movies, music, the world <laughs> we've come to live in today. Hmm. If you ask a woman <laughs> to write the list, oh wow. <laughs> Hence why I was specific about the areas I thought were more important. Yeah, like, I agree. <laughs> let's focus on the more important things. I'm not saying you can't have the unimportant ones or the ones that just everybody's like, why do you want that? So for example, let me give you an example in my case. Okay. Um, I, <laughs> when I was writing my list, I wrote the important things first. But then I also had this line at the bottom of my list that said, I want a man that's older than me. And everybody kept looking at me and think, think, thinking to me, you must be bonkers. Why do you want that? And I said to them, and this came from, oh, and I'm going to, I'm, I actually forgot to say something. I'll, I'll come to that in a second. I said to them that for example, that for me personally, I had dated guys my own age and I found them to be very immature. The reason being that because of the background that I came from, I had siblings who were significantly older than I was. And I grew up in a home where I had to mature very early on, even if I didn't want to, just because of where I grew up in. Because I would find out that, especially when I was in university, I'd find out that the boys I was dating, they just wanted to drive fast cars, go drinking, hang out in clubs. And I was thinking, guys, there's a lot more to life than this. Like, are you thinking about investments and stocks and shit? Those were the kind of conversations that were happening in my home. So to me, I was like, yeah, this is not working for me. So I put used to put that at the bottom of my list. And when I met my husband, one of the things I said, I asked him was, oh, how old are you? And then he told me his age and I was like, okay. <laughs> this is it right oh as in apart from obviously he had all the other qualities i was looking for and i had asked the holy spirit but he then had that extra little line that i had put in there and then i'm going to say something that i i didn't say when i was talking about the list but i really think it's important and i've said this to clients in the past please when you're writing the list don't write it as a direct opposite or if of your father or of your mother the reason being that hmm. you are not <laughs> interesting. <laughs> interesting i will explain why i say that because if for example your father gave you a poor image of a man what you're going to be doing is you're going to be looking for a direct opposite but then you might not realize that you ne don't necessarily need a direct opposite you need a person who is complementary so we're not looking for opposites. We're looking for compliments. We're looking for people who will compliment us, people who, will, who we will bring out the best in and who will bring out the best in us. I also say that you also don't want to say, <laughs> like, you know, one, of, one or two people I know have said, oh, I want a man like my father. I say to them, but you are not your mother. And if you are not your mother, you can't want a man like your father. Hmm. Because your father was complimentary to your mother. You're looking for a man that is complimentary to you. You're looking for a woman that is complimentary to you. So I just thought I'd put that as an, an addition to this thing that yes. you're looking for. Yes, yeah. yes. I completely and totally agree with the last part she just said, man. And all in all, if 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 I'm just to like sum it up a little bit, maybe to help people understand a little bit, just maybe think about writing your list 
in the order of importance actually mm-hmm. i think i think that's i think that would really really help a lot of people and ask yourself is this like you said yourself when you're right like when people start writing the list they find out that oh some of the things i held in high regards are really not as important as the other things yeah that should come first yeah so i, I truly truly agree with that so um we spent a lot of time talking about these things but um then again, we've not almost addressed the elephants in the room, uh, given the which fact, is. which and given the fact about like what you do, and the elephants in the room is like, what do you actually think causes delay in marriage? Hmm. <laughs> That's a very big elephant, right? <laughs> a very big elephant. How do we eat an elephant bit by bit, right? Exactly, bit by bit. <laughs> what causes delay in marriage? Yeah. I think. I think that if we look at it from the perspective of what I said right at the beginning of if you are following a script, if you are following someone else's script for your life, it might look like you're being delayed, but maybe you aren't. Maybe you getting married at 32 is right on time because there were things that were meant to happen in your life before you got married. That is one angle. And that's an angle that a lot of times we don't like confronting because society has said to us that we should all be married by the time we're 25. Not quite sure what happens after you turn 25, whether, you know, all the most available men and women in the world disappear. But there's this whole thing of you should be married by 25. Um, I believe that if you were not meant to be married at 25, but you hold on to the mindset that you were meant to be married at 25, you would think you're experiencing delay. But maybe you aren't. Maybe life is happening exactly the way that it's supposed to happen for you. Not for me, not for Tony, maybe for you. And maybe it isn't. But also, I also believe that if you have the wrong perspective about what you are meant to be doing in this season, in terms of if you are not yet prepared as a person, and prepared is not a finite thing in terms of when I hit this, then that means I'm prepared and I'm ready. No, no. One of the things I say to the women in the Waiting Gracefully program is that progress, not perfection. Progress, not perfection. So even when we're thinking of the word prepared and preparing for marriage, we're focused on progress, we're not focused on perfection. We're not saying, oh, I now know how to look after a home. Guess what? You look after a home at the beginning as a, as a single woman, you will know how to look after a home even at the beginning of your marriage. But guess what? That changes even when you have children. That changes when your children are babies. It changes when your children are toddlers. You will now have to learn a new set of ways of looking after a home when your children are 15. There's always that constant progression. But the thing is that if you are not progressing as a person, in the period before you're supposed to be married, you will keep stretching out your season. That's a life principle. That's not Bumi just being mean and saying, guess what, I'm wishing you to stay single forever. No, I'm just telling you that there is a natural progression that you are supposed to be experiencing as a person. And if you are not experiencing that, because the world functions on the spiritual laws and principles, when you don't align yourself and put yourself into the place that you're supposed to be in the season before marriage, literally pushing that marriage further and further back, more often than not, and you know, I'm Nigerian, um, I live in the UK, so I'm sort of, they say I'm British Nigerian, whichever way you want to look at it. But 
my Nigerian, for my Nigerian people and my African people, we're very big on saying, oh, it is the enemy from my father's house and it is the enemy from my mother's house. Most of the time it isn't. Very often it is usually because we ourselves are not in the place for the thing that we are believing for. We are not yet in a place where we can handle what we've been given. And if we can't, and you know, because society has told us that, well, you went to school and you now have a, mass, a, a, a BSc or an MSc, then you are, you are good enough to be a wife. What if you don't know how to look after your home? What if you're very bad with money? What if you're very bad in terms of even your character? Who's going to live with you? Your family don't have a choice. They're your family members. Think about somebody who's not coming from outside, who wants to come and live with you. Are they going to be able to live with you day in, day out for the rest of their lives? And, you know, there's a verse in the Bible which says that the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, but he is giving time for everyone to come to a point of repentance. And, you know, when we hear the word repentance, we automatically think, oh, I need to be sorrowful in heart. I need to be sad. But the truth is that repentance is actually from a word called metanoia, which means to change your mind. God is saying, I'm not I don't have a problem with you getting married. But I need you to change the way that you are living. I need you to change the way that you are being. If you do that, there will be no delay because you'll be in alignment with what needs to happen. But if you're still holding off, if you're still not being who you're supposed to be, if you're not growing and progressing, then you're literally pushing that marriage further and further back. I had a client who said to me once when she started gracefully program at the end of the program she said my goodness I didn't know this was the program I needed because I thought I was ready but I now look back and I realize I look at myself and I realize that if my husband comes to meet me right now I am as unprepared as they come this lady is 41 she's been wanting to be married since she was in her 20s and this is back to why it is really important that we begin to share information with people about what they should be doing in this season of their lives so that that way they are not holding them. They are not the ones almost holding themselves back from the thing that they want to experience. If you know how to recognize good character in a man or in a woman, the chances of you going into a relationship where you will be with somebody that is of poor character are slimmer. Those, you know, when you put yourself in a relationship that with someone like that, you have automatically put delay in your own time. Know how to date properly, where you know what dating is supposed to look like and how it's supposed to be a vehicle to get you from single to married then you are less likely to date randomly. If you're even clear about the qualities that you want, you know that list that we just talked about. If you are clear on what's on your list, there are some people you will never go out with, never. There were some guys I knew. There was nothing they could, they were, it didn't matter how, how much money they had, how nice they looked. I just knew that there was no way I was going on a date with you. But that's because I was very clear about what I was looking for. If you are clear about what you're looking for, you are less likely to put do things that cause you to be delayed on your own journey. So I hope that we've tackled some bits of this particular elephant. Yes, yes. We've, we've, we've eaten the leg so far. <laughs> There's still a whole body to go. Um, but not to use humor to cover up some of the things you just said. Yeah, I, I do agree. I do agree. Um, I particularly agree with the part with the fact that sometimes um, I've experienced this personally um, when I'm yeah. actually waiting for something or waiting to achieve a particular thing. 
Mm. And sometimes I know what I'm supposed to do, right? To get myself ready or to put myself in a situation for that thing to happen. And yeah. the, the longer I put that thing and that preparation off, the longer my goals that I'm supposed to achieve is further and further away. Exactly. And sometimes exactly. when I just make that decision to be like, okay, come on, it's time to actually um, get things right. Then it almost happens immediately once I put in that. So that's why it's a very, very important to know yourself and know where you are at specifically, precisely. Then yeah. that's going to help you realize how further you are away from where exactly you want to get to. Yeah. So, so I really, really agree with that. Um, <clears throat> so there's something I want to discuss from my own perspective. There's a question okay. I have as a man, right? Yes. So um, fundamentally, society has always said, and we have always believed this also as young men, that um, when you get to a certain level, like a finite, a finite level, this is where the danger is. Like, oh, you have a career, you have a high paying job or you have a business and you can take care of a family and stuff. You automatically, um, you automatically need to get married or you're automatically expected to get married. And even we, we do believe this sometimes we're like, okay, um, when we are supposed to get married or when we are with someone that we feel this person is right for us mm. because we still have this belief in our head we're like oh i'm sorry i can't really commit and i can't really take this relationship to the next level because there are certain things i haven't put in place mm. but the reality and things that are happening right and things that's really happening right now is like high achieving men let me even put mm. it that way yes yes and not even looking to get married why is that the case today um it could be for a variety of reasons. Obviously, the same way that we're not, we're not having conversations with high-achieving women is probably the same reason why we're not having conversations with high-achieving men. Um, and, you know, high-achieving men, the, the, the challenge is that men are given a bit more laxity in that people are saying to them, oh, they have more time. So, you know, nobody's going to tell you 25-year-old man, oh, you should be married. Why are you not yet married? Where's your wife? they're less likely to be asking him that. Maybe when he turns 38 or he's now 40, everybody's like, okay, so what are you still waiting for? Just pick a girl and marry her. It's when those conversations start happening. So you see that even the, even if you think about the, the age range, the age, the, the gap that a man is given is a lot longer than the gap that a woman is given. And then they use things like, oh, the woman's um, body clock is ticking, things are changing, all of that. So she needs to do it early and do it early enough. The thing is also with high achieving men, especially men who are very goal focused, it can become all consuming. And Tony, you're a guy, so you can probably even speak more to this, but you know, from a man's perspective, there's that, that thing about you want to have achieved certain things by a certain age. There's almost that drive for the man. And, you know, I have this conversation with guys and they, you know, they're like, oh, I have to have done this by the time I'm 40. I want to have done this by the time I'm 50. And there's that whole focus that they then, it's only like after some time they look up and then people are saying to them, dude, you are now 40. Why are you still unmarried? And they're like, oh yeah, true. I should be married. And that's when they now think, oh, who do I need to fit the life that I have and the life that I want to have? And so those are the kind of things that are at play for high achieving men. And obviously, like I said, I'm a woman, so I can't speak to every part of it, but from the, the interactions that I've had and the conversations that I've had, it's clear that 
the conversations about what men should be even striving for and the fact that they should be also self-aware and paying attention to the things that matter in this season aren't happening. Those conversations aren't happening for them either. You know, I have a friend of mine who's really, a really great guy and I keep saying to him, oh, Larry, I need you to, you know, I, I need us to do something for the guys because we're having these conversations with the women. Can we have these conversations with the men? Because women are coming to me and they're saying, for me, nobody's talking to the men about becoming as well. So they're telling the woman, you should be become, you should be becoming the person you're supposed to be. The same thing, the gauntlet is, I'm throwing down the gauntlet to any man that's listening to this who's a high achieving man. Please become the person that you're supposed to be, but also be very self-aware and start to pay attention. Is this maybe the season you should be married? Even though you haven't achieved a certain level of maybe prosperity or wealth. Can you look after another person? Can your income take care of another person? Are you able to father children right now? And if you aren't, then please put in place the things that really matter to help you to do that. Start reading books about fatherhood. And, you know, if you see that you didn't have great examples of men who are great fathers and great leaders and great husbands, look for the reality is that there are good men out there who are doing things and doing things well. Society isn't only filled with bad eggs, it's filled with good eggs as well. But guess what? The media is good at selling bad news, so it will only sell the news of the ones that aren't doing that well. But as a high-achieving man, there are men that you can be looking up to and having conversations with in this season as a single man that you can be saying, okay, what is it that I need to know to prepare me for marriage? actively go and seek that out don't just wait and say well i'm a guy i'm supposed to be the leader so i'll just know we don't just know if we all just knew we'd know how to do the quantum law, law of physics and all those kind of things but we all go and we go to school and we learn these things so let's make the effort to learn the things that you are experiencing as a high achieving man women are experiencing as well but the change is within your reach yeah, I agree. Um, <clears throat> from a man's, I, I would really love to have a conversation with your friend Larry, like you said. But um, <laughs> yes. yeah, that's that's about the way. Um, from a man's perspective, I can almost speak of three things. If mm. like like, okay, the first is what society expects mm. of, a, of a young man, and society doesn't care about the individual; they care about the status of that individual. Yes. That's yes. one. I think that's a very huge problem. I think the second thing that is not really spoke like that that people don't really talk about and is men handle rejection way worse than women handle rejection mm -hmm. especially in the long term women don't handle rejection well in the short term but soon after they'll get over it men almost never forget they're like that elephant in the room mm. so if a man is scarred or seriously hot at a certain mm. age in his life, especially because of his status, right? Mm. His financial status or whatever the case is, they almost have this vengeful um, thing inside of them against women. And mm. when they do become successful, most of the time they don't even like, they, they almost want to make women pay back for that feeling they had that resentment they carry it a long term it, it, for a very long time i think that's something that truly needs to be discussed like some men really need to let go of resentment because yes they do 
a man, yeah, a man will be hot as a teenager and he will carry that scar with him for a very, very long time. I've seen this happen a lot. And mm. they will treat almost every woman that comes into their life like that high school girlfriend they had or that girl in the mm. university. <laughs> and that's a reality. So, and the, the third thing is like, from my own perspective, um, we tend to think as a society that women have unrealistic lists. I think it's the other way around, for real. <laughs> because, because if I'm being honest, this was this was something I had. This was a conversation I had with my friend the other day. I was like, "See, <clears throat> a woman would marry a man based on projection potential." Yes, yes, she, she, she would. Yeah, she would settle. She she would settle. She believes, right? A man would not settle. <laughs> We will not like. Have you have you ever seen a situation whereby, okay, a woman would be like, "Oh, he doesn't go to church. I don't worry. I know with time he will change. He humanizes yeah, a lot. Yeah, I don't worry with yeah. time he will change." Have you ever heard a man said, "Oh, no. she, <laughs> say what now? <laughs> Why is she not doing that again? Exactly. Say, she can't cook, and you want me to marry her for Why? what?" <laughs> Even if they be like, oh, don't worry, she would learn. Cooking is easy these days. She can go on YouTube. She's like, nah. Nah, I'm, nah. And I'm, you know, it's these expectations that sometimes even show up in marriage on both both sides, you know. He yeah. comes, he expects her to be. You know, there's this conversation I've had with a friend recently where I said that, you know, sometimes men expect you to still work the same nine to five like them. But then you also have these added responsibilities of cooking and cleaning and watching the children. And it's like, okay, so... You want me to be a hotshot lawyer, but you also still want me to be a housewife. Can you pick a side? Exactly. And they're just 24 <laughs> hours in a day. And you also want me to be a good mother. Like, yes. <laughs> like this was this was something Mrs. Mudukwe Erim, um, hearing I spoke to really made me understand. It's like we have unrealistic expectations of wanting to have a career, be a mm. family uh, person. Like it's so much. And it's like there's there's a limited time in a day for you to achieve all these things. And be, what does it truly, what, how much time does it really truly require for you to have a successful career? Think about that. And then yeah. add all that things to it and you realize that oh i need to bring down my expectations right with the way i see things and yeah we just talked about rejection and the resentment it breeds in men mm. and I, I think i've seen you talked about um how people should really look at um, rejection and handle it so um maybe for the listeners who haven't and i really recommend they go so look you up and we'll get there but mm -hmm. how do you think people should really handle rejections in a relationship so as not to bear this long-term scar. Yeah. Okay, so there are a couple of things that you can do when you're rejected. The first thing is that you need to look, you need to even acknowledge that you were rejected. A lot of times we don't acknowledge things. We we try to sweep it under the carpet. Oh, you know, he didn't dump me, we broke up. But actually he dumped you. Oh, she didn't dump me, we broke up. No, acknowledge what happened because that's the first step towards heading in the right direction. I would definitely encourage anyone who's ever experienced rejection, if you haven't dealt with it, now is a good time to deal with it. Don't wait till tomorrow. After this podcast, I want you to do some journaling work where you sit down and write how you're feeling about your rejection. And that's the next thing I would say in terms of, you know, acknowledge not just that you were rejected, but acknowledge how you are feeling about the rejection. There's no point trying to pretend like you weren't hurt rejection is painful 
It is. And if you have ever been rejected, you know how painful it is. So obviously, acknowledge that you were rejected, but also acknowledge how you are feeling. Like, don't run from your feelings. But then the next thing I would say is don't stay in your feelings. The problem with the, with us as human beings is that sometimes when we haven't been taught how to process things the way that we should process them, we tend to hold on, th hold on to things for longer than we should. So acknowledge what happened, acknowledge how you're feeling, but then begin to let go. And part of what helps with letting go is journaling. So if you journal about what happened, how you felt, even what you wish you could have said, maybe that you didn't get the opportunity to say, you write it all out. What that is doing is taking some of the power and the pain of it out of your body and out of your system and putting it somewhere else. Also, the next thing I would say you should do or that you should try and do to yourself is to affirm yourself, you know, because rejection makes us then question our worth. We question, well, was I not good enough? Did I not do enough? All of these kind of things is one of the things I've written about recently where I said, you know, sometimes we think rejection, a man going to cheat, you know, that's a rejection in itself because if he has to cheat on me, he's rejected me as a person. But then I begin to question my own worth about it. But hey, it couldn't. Why do I have to think it's me? Why do I have to think that the problem came from me? So, you know, you have to think of it from the perspective of the person didn't see your value. It does not make you any less valuable. Some people walk past platinum rings and go and buy um, sterling silver. It's just that they don't know the value of platinum ring. They chose sterling silver instead. It's okay to each man his own. But please acknowledge that the person that rejected you didn't see your worth and then affirm yourself. I affirm myself daily. I am a child of God. I'm the beloved of the Lord. Everywhere I go, people experience the best of God through me. I go out and I make a difference in my world. It doesn't matter how people treat me. I know that I'm inherently loved by God. I speak that to myself and I speak it regularly. I speak it literally almost every day. Because in doing that, I'm consciously telling myself who I am. And guess what? My mind will hold on to that. So that that way, when I then show up, like one of my one of my clients, she then showed up and the guy was like, please, who is toasting you? Because you're a bit too confident. She said, nobody else is toasting me. I just know who I am. I know the worth that I carry and I know the value that I bring to this table. It's up to you to see that, but I see it. And I know it and I acknowledge it. So that's one of the a few things that you can do if you've experienced rejection. Yeah, please, please do that. Please, let's, let's address some of the resentments we have in our hearts because I can personally say this from my own experience that resentment is the devil. It not, is. Not just to be religious or anything, but resentment. Oh God, resentments would bring out sides of you that you never thought was possible. To the mm -hmm. point, to the point mm -hmm. where my own thing is, if I ever get to the point where I start planning evil, man, there's something seriously wrong with me. Yeah, yeah. There's something like having the having the, the the awareness to realize that. Oh, okay, no, no, no. This this ain't just. I'm I'm actually dealing with something here that's that's been left unaddressed, and resentment has really done me in. So like, I try to rid myself of it. So, my people, please, oh, resentment, something. <laughs> Because yeah. it would just stay there, it would grow 
over time, it will leave your conscious self and it will go into your subconscious and you would yes. actually do things, say things, behave in such a way that you wouldn't actually know that you wouldn't actually even know what's wrong, but it's because you're carrying something that you've not let go yet. And that thing just keeps haunting you and causing a lot of pain in your life. Um, so I have one last question before I go to the questions from the community, because okay. I actually, yeah. So, um, there's this, there's this, um, thing that is being propagated that has been, uh, that I've seen for a very, very long time. And mm. sometimes it is, I don't know, they, sometimes there's a, there's a great argument for, for it, even scientifically, like even the clinical literature makes a great argument for it sometimes. And I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. Why sometimes there's the opposite? So I'm kind of stuck in the middle and I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe just do your own thing. But anyways, let me just ask this question. So there's this thing about um, um, people dating as much as they can before getting married. What's your take on that? <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is a battle you can never win, but I just want to hear. I know I can't win. Exactly. Let's try and address it a little. Yes, yes. From your own perspective, what do you? From think? my own perspective, I think that dating should be intentional. I think that you sh dating multiple people just for the sake of dating is a waste of time. Because if you are just hanging out with people, that's a different thing. But if you are saying that, oh, I'm looking at this person because I want to get married, that's a different arena. That's a different perspective. And that perspective should guide the actions that you take. You know, when the purpose of a thing isn't known, abuse is inevitable. That's what Miles Monroe has taught us. If I know that my dating, I want it to lead somewhere, I'll be intentional about who I show up with, first of all. I won't date just every Tom, Dick, Harry, and their dog just because I want to see. I'm not here for that. I'm here for intentional dating. I'm a big believer in intentional dating. I'm also a big believer in keeping things in the friendship zone until you are clear that you want to progress things further. So that that way you don't even create unhealthy expectations on your part and on the part of the other person. So that, and that, so that you don't create pain where there shouldn't be pain. People will date and they will date excessively. But there's also research that shows, and I think it came from the pandemic, when people realized that they wanted more than just random dating. Like even people that weren't Africans, like non-Africans, white people, Asians, everything, were suddenly realizing that they didn't want to just be dating for dating's sake. They actually wanted to date because they wanted to be in a committed and serious relationship. There's a different mindset to dating like that. And you must embody that mindset if you want, if you say you want to get married, if you don't want to get married and you're just looking to have a great time, please go for it. Who is stopping you? To each man his own. But if you're saying that I want to get married and I would love my dating experience to be something that leads towards that, then I won't date everybody. I won't date everybody. I won't date every single guy that asks me for my number. Will I talk to a lot of people? Probably. But then as I'm talking to them, I'm whittling them down before I then put myself in the situation where I'm going to then step out and then go and start, you know, go on a date with a person. But like I said, this is one that a lot of people have different opinions about, but I'm just of the opinion that intentional dating for marriage, if you want to get married, is the way to go. Yeah, I like, I like that a lot. I like that. Um, I'm actually very skeptical about things that are being propagated of such nature, right? Because mm. it's almost like we're trivializing these things and normalizing it to the point where it's affecting people's lives. Um, people don't know why they can hold on to certain relationship, right? Because they feel like 
um, it has been beaten into them like, oh, it doesn't matter if, if you if you if someone leaves you or it's okay to get out of a relationship, even mm-hmm. if even if there's something that is actually fixable. Because why? Oh, I should date as much as I can before I finally <laughs> exactly. decide to get married. Yeah. So to me, <clears throat> I actually think it's dangerous, especially for someone who doesn't have a who doesn't have a like a very good grasp of who they are as an individual yeah i actually yeah. think that's very very dangerous dangerous because yeah like you said it right if if you're dating because you just want to have fun like yeah all parts of you no one should be able to question that but if you're dating as a sort of like an experiment to say okay this was going to lead me to like having the perfect long-term partner i think there are, there are, there are pitfalls that needs to be avoided from that point of view so anyways, um, the questions I actually have from the community, this one is this one is something. I actually love mm-hmm. this question a lot and I really wanted to get your take on it. So the first question mm-hmm. is, um, should my parents have a say-so in who I decide to get married to? Should mm-hmm. I marry against my parents' wishes? Mm. <sighs> <laughs> so I'm a Christian. Let me start. Let me put that caveat out there first that I'm going to be talking about this from the perspective of a Christian. Okay. And I'm of, I'm of the opinion that you should honor your parents. Now, will there be times when you and your parents don't see eye to eye about something? Yes. And there'll be a lot of times when that happens. The way that I look at everything is, if this person is who God has said, then I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit on how to navigate things with my parents. I wouldn't necessarily, personally, I wouldn't necessarily go against my um, parents. That's just me personally. I wouldn't necessarily go against my parents, but I would also try to get my parents to see from my perspective why this is the person that I think I should be with. And I had this experience when I was when I was dating. So I used to be engaged and my dad wasn't a big fan of my ex-fiance. And in hindsight now, looking back, what, how many years later, over 10, 15 years, probably about 15 years later, I'm looking back and I'm seeing, I'm seeing things from his perspective. And, you know, they say that we learn in hindsight. I totally get why he was against the relationship. But in the moment, I couldn't. And they have a phrase in my own language from the part of Nigeria I'm from. I'm Yoruba um, by birth. And they used to say, and I'll translate it into, I'll say it in English. And it's along the lines of, there is something that an elder sits while sitting that a child can't sit even if they're standing at the top of a tree. They're, they have the gift of time. They have the gift of experience. So I wouldn't discount my parents' opinion. But if their opinion about the person I'm supposed to be marrying is, is something along the lines of he's from a different tribe, he's not from our, our part of the world, mm, that's not a deal breaker in my own books. I would rather ask them to explain their reasoning behind why, you know? So sometimes parents just say, oh, I don't want this person, but you have to hear hear them and hear them completely. And this helps you to give them honor because when you, you come to them from the angle of, I want to know why, not from the angle of, this is my choice. I need, this is what I want. This is how I want it to be. And this is what I'm going to do. You're more likely to hear them properly. If you come to them from the angle of, I want to hear what you have to say. Please guide me. I need your guidance. But at the end of the day, guess what? The decision is still yours. You know why? Because they're not going to live in the marriage with you. They're not. You're going to have to live 
and breathe that marriage. So you want to make sure that you are with the right person. But will there be times when who you think is the right person and who your parents think is the right person will not be the same? Most, yeah, it does happen on occasion. But then we must ask the questions that allow us to come to a point where we're all in agreement. And that, that process will be different for different people. But obviously from the perspective also of a Christian, I want to honor my parents. So I wouldn't necessarily fight them about something like that, but I would ask the Holy Spirit to guide me on how to interact with them. And if he then says, feel free to go ahead, then I'll feel free to go ahead. He'll find a way to bring them around. Um, yes, I agree. I agree with the dialogue, <clears throat> with the dialogue part. Um, Growing up, I used to think I had a lot of disagreements with a lot of people until I I started having conversations and I love conversations. Mm -hmm. um, having somebody say, no, you can't do this and even getting them calm and relaxed and getting them to even articulate and explain why you shouldn't. Sometimes mm -hmm. they don't even have a better argument or they can't even <laughs> hold up. And then you have the opportunity to actually clarify certain things and to make things known um sometimes i realize that even when i'm in this like okay i'll use that i'll say this from my own experience so um my sister before two or three years ago we used to have disagreements a lot in terms of what i what sometimes i give her certain advice or i see there's something actually wrong and i try to say certain things to her about it and one day she called me and she sat me down she was like see <clears throat> i'm not saying what you are saying is wrong <laughs> but it's the way you're saying it to me mm. that will not just even make me even listen to you that's why i just shut off like you said xyz but I'm, it's not wrong but don't talk to me in that way don't kind of like say it in such a way that like you are not even you don't even want to re like she has this thing where she and we still it took me a while to change and like look at this i'll, I'll paint this funny scenario and i didn't realize i was doing it mm. to the point whereby there was a day i was talking to her i was like hey, she was like see if you want to talk to me sit down don't stand up ah, what are you <laughs> <laughs> like then, 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 again, then again next time i was like talking to her i was walking away like why are you talking to me and walking? If you want to talk to me, stay and talk to me. Which one is that? You're just yeah. saying things. You're just yeah. walking away and being very passive about it or like whatever. Like if you want, next time she'll be like, oh, you're not talking to me. I know you're not talking to me because if you wanted to talk to me, <laughs> like I'm, I'm for real. And I was like, oh, I'm not even handling situation as an adult. Like, oh, wow. Like mm. it's totally wrong what I'm doing. So I think it's the same thing with when it comes to conversations like this with parents or having disagreements. It's like the way part of the one I, one of the things I think is actually wrong with the way we were raised as Africans is not having the ability to ha actually have conversations. Conversations, yes. With yes. our parents, I think that has haunted us. That has put us through so much pain, struggles, and like and like an unnecessary suffering that could have been avoided yeah. simply because yeah. I can't I can go to my parent and say X, Y, Z and they can't even call me and tell me something is even actually wrong with them mm. and how I can actually help alleviate some of the pains and the struggles they are actually going through. It took yeah. me a while before I started seeing my mother as a person 
right? Oh. I saw her as a mother for the longest of time, and there's nothing wrong with that. But you get to a particular point where you start seeing her as a person with her own fears, with her own insecurities. Exactly. Right. right? Exactly. And 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 acknowledging that, oh, it's like this even has nothing to do with me right now. Exactly. Has- so their fears sometimes about a, a life partner could be, oh, they heard that that particular tribe of the country, they do X, Y, and Z when their children. And you know, it's all those fears that come to bear exactly. when they're saying to you, I don't want you to marry that person. It's um, not usually grounded sometimes in reality. It's grounded in some of these myths and legends that they've heard over the years exactly it's like um um my sister's um um, daughter got married to somebody and this was what happened like and the rest of like mother father what you attract what you're actually trying to say right now has nothing to do with this situation has nothing to do with me like there's a difference you haven't even made the effort to get to know this person and then like we can start having those kind of conversations and the rest so yeah and the same person also had this question moving on um the person said um i'm meeting my partner's parents for the first time any advice um be respectful um be respectful Please don't pretend to be somebody that you're not and go with a gift. Those are my three things. Three three things. Be be respectful. Don't pretend to be who you're not and go with a gift. Start off as you mean to go on. Don't start something you cannot finish. Exactly. Interested. Um, so the next question is, I'm in a long-term relationship and it feels like my partner never makes time for me anymore. Any advice? Have a conversation about it. Have a conversation about it. Because, and if you've had multiple conversations about it, then have a conversation of whether the person still wants to be in a relationship with you. Because if someone, the evidence of desire is pursued. So if someone wants to be with you, they'll make an effort. Hmm. Interesting. I agree. I really, really agree with that. Um, This person said, I am scared to talk to my partner about money. What is the best way to do it? Um, Not a time when you're both anxious about money. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. I think I've been having this. Oh, I love this. I really, really not miss- a time when you are both anxious about money because you will less likely have articulate conversations. Sit oh, down. Wow. You know, you, money is a, a big stressor in marriages and relationships if we don't handle it properly. Hmm. So, not a time when you are both anxious or stressed about money, or you've just had a fight about money, or even about anything. You want a time when you're both quiet, when you're both almost like in a good space and in a good headspace and say, look, I'd love to talk about something that I think would really help us. And, you know, you must sell it from the angle of this is about to our benefit rather than it's about you and me. Um, It's more a case of us against the world rather than me against you. Because if you're selling it from that perspective, I mean, when you're telling somebody that what they're doing isn't great, there is a way that you can say that, that gets the point across without making the person feel bad. So that's why they teach you, even when you're learning, when you're doing any marriage course, they talk about things like I statements. So I usually feel anxious when we don't have enough money. Or I feel this, and then you're not saying, you make me feel anxious when you spend our money. 
there's a difference in how that those two sentences have been crafted. One is making the person realize that when we don't have money or when we have money issues, my partner, my wife, my husband isn't feeling great and he unsettles them. If anybody, if you want, if the person wants the best for you as well as wants the best for the relationship, they're more likely going to pay attention. So yeah, that's what I would suggest. Um, first things first, I, I, I truly, truly love the fact that you, you put it as an argument against us, against the world. That makes perfect sense. That brings everybody into the conversation and not make one person appear as being selfish. Yeah. That's very important. But the most important thing I think you said to me was when you said, try not to have that conversation when you're anxious about money. And why is it that most times that's when we tend to have this particular <laughs> conversation? And I'm serious because... Okay, if I don't have a good relationship with money, for example, mm. as a man, right? I don't know how to properly handle money. Mm. Um, when I have a lot of it, my partner never, almost never complains, right? Because mm -hmm. I have a lot of it and, I'm, and I still don't, I'm not treating it as I should. But sorry to really generalize this thing, but women don't generally complain during those periods. Mm -hmm. It's when we are now anxious about money or I've been put in a tight corner. That's when you want to talk about, um, I was looking at you when you were doing X, Y, Z. You don't know how to do this. You know how to do I'm like, wait, what? But like, like you never said anything about this because, mm. because you even saw it as an opportunity to get more from me, for example, right? Mm. And you took advantage of that situation yourself. Now you're singing a different tone because we are being put in a position whereby um, this is actually a big issue. And that's when this, I, I think you're, you're absolutely correct by having that conversation when you are not actually anxious about money is, mm. is that's the way to go. Thank you very much. At least if I didn't take anything from here today, I, I took that one <laughs> and I will run with it forever, forever and ever. I'm serious. Um, so um, the next question is, um, I find myself getting crazy jealous when my partner talks to other women, even though I know it's nothing. How do I stop this? That's a you problem rather than a partner problem. Okay. And that's when I, and I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm just saying that mm -hmm. you have to, there's a security thing and it might be, it might be a partner thing, but I'm going to put that in, in, in um, quotes in like in quotation marks in that. If your partner, yes, if you've spoken to your partner, you've told him that you don't like the way he talks to women. It depends on what is happening. So like, obviously there isn't a lot of detail in this particular question, but irrespective of what my partner is doing, there's some things that I'm settled about myself. I am the prize. I am settled in that regard. I am the prize. So it's okay if you talk to other people, but I am the prize. And I'm not saying that from the perspective of if someone is badly behaved, then you say, well, he's still going to come back to me even if he cheats. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying that I have such inherent worth and I'm so aware of my worth that I'm so settled in it. I'm not jealous about him being, being having conversations with other people. If I begin to have that issue, then it has, you have to ask the question, has my partner, for example, stepped out on me in the past and we didn't resolve that issue? And so there's always that part of me that's constantly now anxious and jealous. Or is there something else going on in me as a person where I'm not fully aware of my own worth, my own value, 
and fully affirming myself regularly to the point that, yes, he's talking to other people, but I'm so secure in myself, but also secure in my relationship that those, those conversations mean nothing to me. And that's really where you want to get to. But like I said, I don't have a lot of details for this particular question because it could be that the person had stepped out on her in the past or the person had cheated on her in the past or he's always constantly comparing her to other people and she has to deal with that and that's what is making her jealous. Or it's that, no, I actually haven't paid attention to my own worth. I haven't focused on me as a person. And so when my husband steps out or my partner or my boyfriend or you know my wife steps out, I'm always unsettled. I don't feel secure in my relation. You know, there's a lot of things to unpack in that. Mm -hmm. I've actually, I've actually met women who who say, "I can't get married to a good-looking man because I don't, <laughs> because I don't want to die." And I'm like, okay, I still don't understand. I still don't understand it mm. because I know it's a lot deeper. I know. I don't know. Yes, it is. Yeah. And that's where we talk about, you know, the trauma and the healing and all the stuff that we've experienced that we need to be dealing with, which is why it's always progress, not perfection. So we're not looking to be perfect people. We're looking to be, be people that are growing and dealing with these kind of things. You know, a good way to always, a good sensor that I always have is when I pay attention to the words that come out of my mouth. If I'm saying stuff like, I can't marry a good looking man, I have issues and I'm not even addressing my own issues mm -hmm. because I'm having beliefs about men, good looking men that have come from somewhere, I must confront that and actually address it. Mm -hmm. Because what if you are meant to marry a good looking man? Do you want ugly children? <laughs> 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 what is the problem here? What is the problem exactly? They're like, um, I did this very fine boy when I was in secondary school. That's, and... a, diff that's a problem. <laughs> that's the issue. Oh, my friend, my friend is suffering because her boyfriend is very handsome and every time there are different women, there's this, there's, I don't want to go through that struggle. That's please. a different thing. But you know, then you start as the Arctic, like. <laughs> oh my God. And I think it's age also. I think people mature over time, right? And they see things differently yeah. over time. So yeah, I that's also it. think that you can be young and still be mature. I think it's also, a, 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 I agree. I, I think it's also a part of, what you are exposed to because what you expose yourself to. I know someone that I've known her now for the last four and a half, maybe five years. And she was in her early twenties when I met her and the wisdom that came out of her mouth, I, I was always blown away. And mm. I thought to myself, my goodness, but you know, as I got to know her, I realized that she was intentionally hmm. seeking to expose herself to the right kind of information and the right kind of knowledge that when she spoke and she acted and she behaved, she wasn't behaving like someone that was her age. She was behaving based on what she had exposed herself to. So what are you exposing yourself to? Hmm. Yeah. Being inquisitive is very, very good thing. But where are you pointing that curiosity to is another yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think I think I, I always say this also. I tell people, I, I learned this. Um, this is not just mine or something. I people always talk about... Um, learning new things but i think the most important thing and which is really being talked about is unlearning not yes. dying on any hill i think that's the most yeah. important yeah thing. you have to unlearn many things there are yeah. things that we were taught when we were growing up that really have served us no purpose and instead have taken our lives backward or kept us stuck in a place where we really could have moved forward so there's a lot of stuff that you have to always confront and say actually is this the right thing i should be thinking is this thing actually true does this thing serve me well is it helping me to grow and become a better person or is this thing keeping me stuck in the moment and actually has brought me low 
low level experiences rather than high level experiences yeah and even look at looking at it from the biblical point of view jesus christ still said you can't add to a cup that is already full so mm -hmm. that's that's actually the reality um yeah. so this question is how do i know if his intention if, if his intention brother how do i know if his intentions for me are good by the way he behaves by their fruit you shall know them so it is always by the fruit what is he not what is he saying but what is he actually doing you must be able to look at what he's doing and you have to almost look at it from a perspective of you know almost like it, as if you were a helicopter looking in on the the relationship which can sometimes be hard when you're in the moment but you know this is why we give ourselves time to reflect regularly we take times of reflection and times of review and times of you know quietness just so that that way we can look and say actually how is this person treating me and is that treatment aligning with what they even say about themselves so his fruit it is what he's doing that will show you his intentions towards you if he's treating you well if he's you know speaking well of you if he's putting you before the right people you know his intentions are good but if he's not if, for example you go out with him he's always introducing you as his friend whereas he's telling you that you are the you are the the apple of his eyes the air breathes, <laughs> and all these other platitudes that he give you oh my what God. he's saying and what he's doing are two different things Yes, so the only cockroach that sniper cannot kill. That's a good one. Abby, this is so good. Um, this person said, what is the advice for someone who wants to get married but has significant other is not ready? You have to ask why they're not ready because you can't just make a decision. You know, you have to ask if why they're not ready. Is it they're not ready because back to what you said earlier, Tony, about how um, men have like, oh, I need to have done this, 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 and this before I get married, or is it because they don't even see you in their future, but they're not they're they're willing to take the step to tell you that, hmm. and it might be that you need to ask them the question about that. Yeah, you know, some people are really really scared to ask that question yes do you really see me being part of your future because they're afraid of the response they might get exactly and then the question becomes if you are unsure about the answer you should you are going to get should you still even be in that relationship maybe maybe not it depends on the if you're unsure you have to ask yourself why you are unsure you have to ask yourself what is it that makes me unsure about this relationship. And then address whatever is making you unsure. If you're still unsure, then you need to be asking also. Obviously, because you're in a relationship, especially if you're in a relationship now, it's not, you're not an island. You have to have a conversation with the person as well. So that, that way you're able to do, you know, you're able to clarify things. Clarity is a gift that a lot of us usually don't like embracing, but it's one of the best gifts you can give yourself. So um, the last question I actually have here is yes. um, how do I deal with a partner who always wants to have his way with everything? <laughs> the question is, is this a married partner or is this a boyfriend? Uh, like, because the way, the way to, the way, <laughs> no, because the answers aren't the same. Okay. Okay. I think because we should with hear marriage, from... You remember that marriage is a covenant. You're already inside. Mm-hmm. But if you're dating, this is a different 
this is a different, almost like a different dynamics. Obviously, though, everything starts with a place of, now from the place of a, a, a Christian, now I'm going to say from the place of a Christian as well, you pray about these things, you pray about the words that you will use, because you're going to have to have a conversation. Everything rises and falls on communication. If you can't talk about something like that, then you don't ha really have a great relationship. And, you know, it's really important to be able to talk about these things. Look, this is how it seems to me. And remember that we're trying to not use words that accuse the person, but explain to the person how their behavior is making us feel, how their behavior is putting us in, you know, a certain type of way. If he always wants to have his way, you have to ask the reason, why does he always want to have his way? Is it that he thinks that he knows it all? Is it that he, he likes to be in control? You know, there are a lot of things to unpack in that. And that, that's why I said that, is it a marriage or is it just a relationship? Because if it is marriage, then there's that whole thing of, well, we're in a marriage because the process of untying yourself from someone like that is a lot harder than if you were just dating them. But then also, the person might not realize that that's how it comes across. Hence why you start to have conversations about these things where you say to the person, oh, guess what? This is what I'm getting from you. This is how you're coming across to me. And then the person might be like, oh, my goodness, I didn't know that. So, for example, for, for a long time, I was by myself at home and I didn't you really used to interact with people outside. Guess what that made for me? It made me a bit more insular. So that when I was interacting with people, they would ask me about myself. And because I didn't get to interact with people that often, I would talk so much about myself. I would sometimes not let them get a word in edgeways. Until someone now pointed it out. And I thought, actually, it didn't mean I was a bad person. It just meant I was doing something because I didn't know to do anything else. And because maybe I've been conditioned in the way to do that thing. And so sometimes people don't even know that they are doing something. They don't realize that they're not giving way for others they just they're so used to getting on with it that they just get on with it and they expect you to follow along but having conversations is a great place to start because it is what you get out of that conversation that guides what you do next don't just make a decision without talking to the person talk to the person and then say and feel their almost their disposition how they want to respond how they how they have taken it and then pay attention to the changes that they then make after that conversation. You might be surprised. They just did not realize that they were doing it. I agree. <clears throat> I really, really agree with this. Some people have a very, very strong personality. And yeah, that also bleeds into their personal relationships. And yeah, that's that's very, very correct. So while, um, thank you very much. I've really, really had... Um, a blast and I've learned a lot I've had a great time here on here today like this conversation has really really exceeded what I what I really what I thought <laughs> what I what I projected that exceeded my expectations thank you um, for having me and I truly feel like we can go on and on hopefully we can actually <laughs> I know yeah hopefully we can actually have a conversation in the future um but for people who have actually listened to here to you here today and they feel like there's more they can get out of you and especially um, having a private consultation with you to better help them in their journey that they are on. Mm. Um, how can they actually reach you? 
Okay, so they can reach me through my um, website, which is um, www.bumiodua.com. And on there, I have you know, different ways that I work with people, whether that's through the Waiting Gracefully program or through my waiting and dating sessions, or even through my upcoming book, which is coming in the next um, few months, um, which is called Waiting Gracefully, actually. Um, and then they can either send, so they can do that. They can come onto my website and, you know, when they come on my website and maybe they even want to be part of my online community, they can, you know, sign up using my website. I have some free resources there and a blog that they can, you know, take advantage of some of the topics that I've talked about there. And they can also, you know, send me a DM on Instagram. I'm usually active on Instagram, so they can send me a DM on Instagram as well. So, yeah. And what's your Instagram handle, please? It's at just my name, at Bumiodua. Okay, at Bumiodua. Um, yeah, like I, I read two of your blogs. I did actually. <laughs> yes, I did. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah. you so much for reading. I'll, yeah, I always like to do research and get to know a little bit about people before I speak to them. And they were very, very incredible. So I really encourage people to actually go check them out and also sign up for your program. And I'm very, very sure they'll get a positive outcome out of it. Um, so before we leave, um, is there anything else you'd like to leave us with? Like any last thoughts, maybe a summary or anything? Okay, so here's the thing that I want anyone that's listening to take away from this is that you are loved, you are valued, you're a person of inherent worth, male and female. And you know the desires that you have are not unattainable. You just need to become the person for that desire. When you do, it's easy to flow into that desire. God bless you. Yeah, thank you very, very much. No better way to end this. And um, I'll be in touch. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening to this conversation. To support this podcast, please like, share, leave a comment or review and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Piers underscore Arena. Thank you once more.